Good day! My name is Sky, and I appreciate you spending some study time with me. I'm here to help you make money in online poker by teaching you key strategies and getting you to take action. For those of you wanting to build that bankroll, whether you're at the micro stakes or beyond, this is the podcast for you today. I'm going to help you spot the weakest players at the table so that you can target them, play more hands against them, so that you can be the one profiting from their mistakes. Make sure you go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 453 for help with taking your notes today and to see all the other micro stakes related podcasts that we've done recently. One more time, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 453. Okay, we ain't wasting any more time. Gambate! You're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. Huh. Okay. You got time to duck? Here's the bottom line. Weak players make mistakes, and plenty of them. The only way for us to profit from their mistakes, thereby building our bankroll, it's by playing hands against them as often as possible. And let me tell you something, taking chips from weak players makes poker so much more fun. It's kind of what I live for when I'm playing uh, any given session. Now, I want to give you an example hand uh, that I played against a very weak player. Now, I discussed this hand in great detail in my latest workshop, but I'm going to hit it quickly here so that we can count the number of mistakes my weak opponent made. On the show notes page, you can see a screenshot of this hand on the river after I stacked my opponent right here. But here's the action of the hand. Pre-flop, I'm in the hijack with ace nine of diamonds. Now, I open raise to three big blinds. Cut off folds, button folds, small blind, weak, fishy villain calls with king eight offsuit with the eight of diamonds. That's kind of important to remember here. The big blind ends up folding. On the flop, it's a seven big blind pot, and the flop comes king of diamonds, jack of diamonds, two of diamonds. I flopped the nut flush with my ace nine of diamonds. Now, the weak villain checks to me. I bet two big blinds in the seven big blind pot, just trying to get some value, right? I flopped the nuts. I want him to continue with something. And he check raised. He obliged me with a check raise to seven big blinds. So he raised it three and a half X or five big blinds more. And then, so what did I do? I didn't just call. He shows that he likes his hand, at least a little bit, right? To check raise to seven big blinds. I min re-raised it. I made it 12 big blinds and he ended up calling. Now, on the turn, 31 big blind pot, the five of clubs hits. So the board is two of diamonds, jack of diamonds, king of diamonds, five of clubs. Villain checks, and then I bet 17 into the 31 big blinds, and he calls. Lovely, building that pot, right? Now, something I failed to mention was that he started with only um, uh, 69 big blinds in his stack. So after this, on the river, there's 65 big blinds in the pot. He only has 37 behind. The river comes the queen of spades, making the entire uh, board two of diamonds, jack of diamonds, king of diamonds, five of clubs, queen of spades. So it's not like, uh, you know, it didn't pair the board. I didn't lose anything. I still have the nut flush. Things are looking great. The opponent checks to me. I just put them all in. I shove all in for my remaining 58 big blinds, and he calls for his 37 big blinds. He turns over that top pair, king eight with the eight of diamonds. Now, counting up the number of plays that this player made, um, pre-flop, he called in the small blind. On the flop, he check-raised 
and then called again on the turn. He called, checked, and then called. And on the river, he checked, called, all in. That's eight plays total. And four of those plays were mistakes. And those four mistakes ended up costing him his full 69 big blinds. I, I, um, I profited from all of his mistakes right there. In the workshop, I break down why those four specific plays were mistakes. And if you go to the show notes page, you can see what the plays were that were mistakes. Actually, I'll just tell you right now. His defense in the small blind with king eight off, mistake number one. Check raising it to seven big blinds and then calling with the top pair weak kicker. Those are mistakes two and three. And the mistake four was check calling all in with the top pair weak kicker. When a straight got there, already a flush is possible. All that jazz, terrible call by him. But four mistakes led to me making all that money. There are two key takeaways from this hand. Number one is that this weak villain's four mistakes earned me his 69.4 big blind starting stack. Absolutely important, critical to think about here. Key takeaway number two, I profited from these mistakes because I was in the hand against him. Now, I'll teach you pretty soon how to play more hands against weak players. But first, we got to discuss what makes them weak so you know what to look for. So weak players, or maybe for the rest of this podcast, I'm going to call them fish. Fish have many of the same characteristics. Now, this list, I'm going to give you a list of 10 indicators that you're up against a weak player. It's not a comprehensive list. And not every fish has all of these tendencies. But if you do encounter a player with three or more of these tendencies, there's a very good chance that he is a weak fish worthy of targeting. Indicator number one is that fish play way too many hands. They love seeing flops with anything suited, right? Anything connected and any high card hand like my opponent did with the king eight off suit. Fishy players, their goal in life and their goal in poker. They love hitting sets. They love hitting two pairs. They love hitting straights and flushes. So they play a ton of hands pre-flop to see that flop and make big hands. That's the goal. Now, fishy indicator number two, fish can be just too passive. So re-raising without the nuts is something that fish rarely ever do. Instead, they're happy calling all three streets with an under pair hand or even a top pair hand or calling pre-flop on the button with pocket queens, right? They make that kind of call because they want to see the flop, and as long as there's no ace and no king on the flop, boom, now they can start betting or raising, but they're a little bit too cautious pre-flop, so they play that pot uh, passively. Now, indicator number three, fish can be too aggressive, opposite of uh, point number two of being too passive. Some fish, and these fish, I often call them, I think of them as maniacs, they play just way too many hands, but they cannot take the foot off the pedal. They spew chips to get you to fold street after street and making oversized bets and weird sized bets even, but just, just throwing out too many chips out there because they don't recognize the sign that they're beat. And you're just letting them hang themselves with bet after bet by just check calling or calling in position. Now, indicator number four is that fish limp and over limp into pots. Indicator number five, fish make bet sizing mistakes. Now, here's something I see all the time, and I, I could never imagine myself doing this. There's an open raise. There's two callers. The fish looks down at pocket aces, and he three bets 
to six big blinds. <laughs> There's no way you or I would ever be making that play, right? You've already got three players invested into this pot. You make it only six big blinds more, or I'm sorry, only maybe three big blinds more, making it six, you're missing out on value. But fish make sizing mistakes like this all the time, not just pre-flop, but post-flop as well. Indicator number six, fish play from any position with any hand. So they're just not positionally aware, kind of like we discussed in last week's episode number 452. Indicator number seven, fish defend the blinds way too often. They think to themselves, hey, that's my money. You're not taking it without a fight. So, of course, they got a call. Indicator number eight, fish only play their cards and the board. They do not care about your range, future streets, future cards, stack sizes, position, player tendencies, or even other players still left in the pot. Now, indicator number nine, fish play against anybody. They open raised, they face a three bet. They don't care if the three better's in position, or maybe he, if he's even the best player at the table. They open raised with king jack suited, and there's no way they're going to fold and give up on those three big blinds, right? And indicator number 10, fish are calling stations. They call too often pre-flop just to see the flop. They overpay on flops and turns with weak draws to catch their hand. And they can't fold any top pair hand on the river just in case you were bluffing the entire way. So now that we know the 10 indicators, the 10 most common indicators of fish, like I said before, that wasn't a comprehensive list. There are other ones that I didn't mention. But now that we know what to look for, we need to find weak players on our tables. The first thing you need to do is always tag any fish as you're playing with them as soon as you notice that they are a fishy player. Now, when I say tag the fish, um, I do two different things to tag my opponents. Or three different things, I apologize, three. Number one is I assign a color to their HUD panel. And I use the color green with uh, the note editor and poker tracker four. So if you look at the smart HUD, right, you'll see a green border around the HUD. Now, this helps me quickly identify them without me having to look at their name or any statistics. I see the green, the green. I know that they're a fish. I know that I should be targeting that player. Now, the second thing I do is I assign a fish symbol to them if the software allows. Now, America's Card Room does allow it, right? You can choose a little symbol next to your players, like a die or an eagle or a rock. I can't remember all the symbols, but one of them is a fish. Assign that fish symbol to the fish. That's just another quick indication uh, of their fishy tendencies that you've spotted in the past. And the third way, if your poker site allows it, once again, just like assigning a fish symbol, uh, sometimes sites allow you to play or to, to color code the player name box. So if you have Bob123, you color code the HUD, put a fish on him, and then around his name, Bob123 with the stack size on the table, color code that green as well. So boom, three indicators that he's a fish. You're going to be hard-pressed to miss those indicators and not realize that this is one of the targets at the table. Now, that was the first thing, tagging the fish when you play with them. The second thing you need to do is table select for fish. I discussed this in detail just a few episodes ago, podcast number 445, link in the show notes page for today. But very quickly, when you hop on a new table, you need to find the fish right away. So of course, if you've tagged the players before, quick and easy to spot them, right? But maybe you play on an anonymous site or you haven't played a lot against the players. You have all unknown players at your table. 
you have to pay attention in the first three rounds of play. Six max, that's 18 hands. Full ring, that's 27 hands. I guarantee fish will let you know that they're fish within those first three rounds, often within just the very first round. Now use that list of 10 fish indicators, and during those first three rounds, just look for opponents doing those things. If, (laughs) if after three rounds you cannot find a fish, get up and sit on a new table. Nice and simple, that's what table selection is all about. If you can't find a fish, that means there's probably not any fish at the table. But also remember this old saying, if you can't identify the mark at the table, then you are the mark. (laughs) right? So leave and find a new table when that's the case. You don't want to be the mark or the fish that everyone is going after. Okay, so now that we know who the weak players are and we've tagged them, how do we actively target them? Well, targeting just means we intentionally try to get involved in hands against them. Now, there are four most common ways to target the fish pre-flop. The first is we open raise when they are in the blinds. As already mentioned, fish love to defend blinds. They hate giving up on that 0.5 or 1 big blind out there already, so they're very likely to call you when you are the open raiser. The second way we target the fish, we isolation raise when they limp. So they limp into the pot, one big blind. They've already shown interest in the pot by limping. They're saying, hey, I want to see the flop right now. So because of that, there's a great chance they're going to call your raise because Folding that one big blind blind limp, that's just the same as folding one big blind when they are in the big blind. They just hate doing it. So expect a call from them when you iso raise them. The third way to target the fish is three bet versus their open raises. So again, fish hate folding with anything playable. They've already shown interest in the pot. This time they raised to get to the flop, right? So there's a good chance they're going to call your three bet. And lastly, uh, raise to a size that will get only the fishy players to call. Let's imagine you're in the early, in the EP. You're under the gun. You have pocket queens. And there's a juicy fish on the button, right? Well, if you make it two big blinds, he's probably going to call. You make it three big blinds, yeah, he's probably going to call. But if you make it four or five big blinds, you discourage all the other stronger opponents from calling. You also discourage them from three betting because three bet bluffing you is going to be a little bit more costly. Now, when you make it four or five, you might just get everyone fold and take it down right there. But the most likely player to call with a subpar hand when you make it four or five big blinds is that juicy fish on the button. So give it a shot occasionally. I'm not saying every time you have pocket aces, kings, or queens, make it four or five big blinds uh, under the gun or in the MP. I'm not saying that. But occasionally, when you want to try to target that fish, when you want to play uh, exact or uh, play a spot only against him, just give it a shot. Now here is an important note when it comes to targeting the fish. Always expect the fish to call when you target them. This means you should choose hands that you're happy seeing the flop with against this fish. So this means hands like, obviously, Jack-10 suited, Ace-8 suited, King-10 suited. You're happy to see flops against fish with such strong hands, with such good post-flop potential. Those hands, they're way preferred over Jack-9 offsuit, Ace-6 offsuit, and King-7 offsuit. Challenge! Here's my challenge to you for this episode. Target the fish! Write down all 10 of those weak player indicators from this episode on a sticky note so you can look at them as you play. 
Look for these uh, fishy indicators in all of your opponents, and as soon as you think you found a fish, tag them so you know exactly who to target. Then, of course, you've tagged them, you know who to target, you gotta start targeting them. So target them with anything playable so that you can be the one profiting from their mistakes. Now it's your turn to take action and do something positive for your poker game. Oh, that's it now. Get out there and be somebody. Go write a book. Alrighty, go to the show notes page to help you take notes at smartpokerstudy.com slash pod four five three. And of course, you can check out all the other microsakes related podcasts that I've recently done. And right there in the sidebar of the show notes page, sign up for my latest workshop so you can learn the three secrets to winning in online poker. You do not want to miss this workshop training. So until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be.